What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunked. My name is Scott, coming at you live from my home studio here in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm excited about this episode. We're just back-to-back solution-focused episodes, and that's just uh, that's where I want to be these days. You know what I'm saying? So uh, very excited about this episode. But first, real quick, you guys, I just want to tell you how you can come follow and support the show. Um, please head over to rebunk.news, especially if you're new to the show, and sign up for the email list. There'll be a little pop-up that pops up that we get notifications about whenever I go live or any other notifications. There's all kinds of exciting, new, fun stuff happening around here, so don't want to miss out. Um, as you scroll down, you'll see all the video platforms that we broadcast on. Usually, uh, I live stream to Rockfin and Rumble. Um, Rockfin is generally the place where I send people, um, and then also on all audio, audio podcast platforms. So if you subscribe on like Spotify, Podcast Addict, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you have Rebunked on there. That way you can listen on the go, make sure you don't miss anything. Uh, as far as social media goes, I'd say Telegram is the best bet, t.me forward slash Rebunked News. Uh, I'm usually just dropping articles and I'm in there like chatting with the people. Um, best way, And if you need to get in touch with me, like that's probably the best way is just through the Telegram channel. And then any value for value donation options at the bottom of the page there. And a few other ways to support the show. You guys, this is so cool. So Big Frog t-shirts in Beaverton, Oregon. These are my, uh, these are my people, right? Big shout out to Ryan and Amanda. Uh, they just do amazing and the team. Uh, I know they do amazing work to help support uh, the work that goes on here. So I just got a huge care package from them with a bunch of these shirts, like in the flesh. And I'm going to be busting those out here shortly. But uh, you see the flag behind me. They actually went above and beyond and made a t-shirt with it, with the Beavis Gadsden flag, man. It's so cool. So you guys can get your own copy of it at uh, rebunk.news forward slash shirts, or there's a link on the main website. So that's a huge one. Um, there's so many other designs on there, you guys. And, uh, it's really cool because not only are, because these folks are listeners of the show, they are like one of us. So by getting a t-shirt, you're supporting this show and you're supporting a very cool Liberty minded t-shirt shop in the heart of Portland, like right outside of Portland, Oregon. So yeah, man, big shout out to big frog t-shirts and the team. Just thank you so much for everything. Um, rebunk.news uh let's see give send go forward slash rebunked is the uh, give send go if you just want to do like a you know one-off donation to help keep the show going if you want to be a monthly reoccurring donor uh we do have a subscribe star subscribestar.com forward slash rebunked if you want to be uh you know as little as like five bucks a month really helps uh you know help grow the show and drive things forward and then a couple of affiliate links, uh, truthtrs.com, which you will find links to in the episode description. Uh, it's a heavy metal detox spray. You know, I can't say enough good things about uh, Truth TRS and just Coceva TRS in general. It's a fantastic product and just uh, helps detox all the nonsense. And another thing I want to tell you guys about, if you scroll down here about halfway down, there's actually a link to become a TRS distributor. So you can get your own affiliate link like this, and then you can also kind of make some money on the site. So it's a great way to uh, you know, support your health and your financial freedom as well. And speaking of financial freedom, uh, autonomy, you guys, Richard Grove's autonomy class. There's also an affiliate link in the episode description. Go, go to the webpage, listen to the little spiel on the video at the top, go through the obstacle course and see if autonomy is good for you. I'm currently taking autonomy right now. We just finished week six and it's fantastic. I've been learning so much. I just can't even tell you how awesome it is. So, uh, yeah, follow the link in the description to get more information about that. And then finally, last, last of all, oh, geez, hold on. Uh, last American Vagabond Substack. So I've been uh, helping produce content for the Last American Vagabond Substack page, and we're just off to a heck of a start. You see at the top there is uh, the COVID Collaborator Series. So this is part three. 
of this series written by Maddie Bannon, who's also part of the Autonomy and Grand Theft World community. Um, she's just been doing amazing work um, covering uh, basically these this large cadre of people who have this strange overlap between, like, say, the 9-11 cover-up and uh, what we're seeing with the whole COVID cover-up. Like, they're in full-blown covering their tracks mode right now. And so some of these folks that she's uh, spotlighting, really, really cool stuff. But, you guys, we've been doing so much cool stuff over at the Last American Vagabond Substack. So, again, links in the description, tlavagabond.substack.com. Okay. I know that was an extra long intro, guys. I'm really sorry. But, you know, it's all important stuff. But I just want to bring in here my guest tonight. So I'm really excited about this. So Moira Mills from The Learning Web. Uh, Moira, how are you doing? There she is. Hey, Moira. Hey. Hey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. No, this is great. So I've been, I've done several episodes regarding, you know, just alternative education uh, curriculum and just modalities and stuff like that. And I feel like it's something that we just can't be uh, shouting out enough. You know what I mean? And so I actually yep. got in touch with you uh, or reached out to me after the Brett Pike episode, um, Classical Learner. And uh, like, hey, I really want to talk about like what we're offering over at the Learning Web. So, you know, fantastic stuff. Um, let's start with maybe because your background sounds so fascinating. So I'm excited to learn a little bit about that. So it sounds like you never really had the whole public school experience. You kind of like bypassed that whole thing. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and then uh, what got you to your to what you're doing now? Sure. So I was unschooled my whole life. At the time, I don't really remember hearing the term unschooling. Uh, it's just the way I was growing up. And I essentially, it's kind of like how we live as adults. You just do the things that you need to do each day. And we had a farm. So there's a lot of responsibility entailed in having animals. Um, so it was, it was a really great thing. And then when I was pregnant with my son, I was kind of looking at where homeschooling was. And so I was born and raised in Alaska and now I live in New York and mm. I was kind of looking at where homeschooling was in general here in New York. And it's so different. I can't even imagine. It's so different. So yeah. Okay. Amazing. So what part of New York? I actually have a friend visiting right now who's on uh, their way up to New York right now. Oh, nice. So <laughs> most of the time I've been kind of all over Albany right now. I'm in Cambridge, which is over by the Vermont border. Okay. And then I've also lived on Long Island and in Brooklyn. So. Okay. Interesting. Inter the state. Yeah. That's awesome. So man, so uh, do they still allow homeschooling or <laughs> in New York? Like what's going yeah, right? on better? If you look at the list of the easiest states to the hardest states, it's definitely at the end, at the yeah. end of the hardest. Man, you know, so what, I mean, okay, well, well, we'll get into some of the logistics here, but what would be like your initial advice for like a family who's in one of these states that, you know, they, they just look at it and they see all these obstacles on paper and then they just kind of just like, well, it's not worth the fight or like, what would be like your words of wisdom to someone in that position? I think before anything, taking time to stop and don't, you, you have to get to a point where you pay attention to what the state is saying. But to begin with, I think taking a look at what the philosophy is that you care about sure, and what philosophy it is, because I think a lot of families want to pull out of public school and then they are so focused on getting curriculum that they forget that there's, I think that there's this, this question about philosophy before getting curriculum that really needs to be talked about. Yeah. That makes sense. And to me, it's like the philosophy is, is like, you're not injecting my child with anything. And, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're going to have a real tough time, uh, if, if you, uh, continue to push in us in that direction. So anyway, yeah, yeah. So yeah. anyway, so that's awesome. Yeah. So there is hope folks, like no matter where you're at, even if you are in one of these crazy states that just insist on, you know, co-opting your child's 
mind from a young age, like there's still hope no matter what. So absolutely right on. So I wanted to, you know, we wanted to talk about uh, the history of American education and I've, I've, I've dabbled into a, a little bit of myself. Like I've watched some videos like John Taylor Gatto. I haven't actually read any of his works, but um, you know, again, I'm involved in the uh, autonomy community and Richard Grove is like, you know, he made one of the original, uh, you know, or made a documentary featuring uh, John Taylor Gatto, the underground history of America and all that stuff. And so, yep. you know, it's something that, you know, has fa fascinates me, but you know, I don't have any kids, you know, and I don't have a dog in the fight, but I honestly, I've heard a lot, you know, to me, that's like, that means all the more reason that I could like be an advocate in some of these areas because, you know, I'm not like, you know, as I don't know, I don't know what that looks like, but it's like, you know, if it came down to it, you know, I should be an advocate for this sort of thing because I don't have a dog in the fight. And like my kids aren't affected by me being like an outspoken person in this regard. So I, I'm trying to learn all this stuff. I just, I, it's fascinating to me. You know what I mean? But yeah. Yeah. well, and I think that it's a bigger conversation for a community, not just, yeah. Parents. It used to be more of a community discussion. Um, and there's a lot of parents right now really struggling. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're, they're really like kind of pushed to the side of society. Yeah. Um, we've, we've done such a great job as a society of segregating all of the different demographics. So yeah. we send all of the grandparents into the old folks' homes, all of the preschool. I mean, they're trying to do, you know, universal pre-K, too. So you've got, yeah. you know, kids are, like, away from their families from, like, three and four years old. And that's just accepted as normal. Mom goes to work. Dad goes to work. You know, everybody's separated. Yeah, absolutely. Well, very much by design, I would say, you know, very much by design. So let's get into that. So when we're talking about just the overall broad topic of the uh, the history of American education, where would you like us to start with that? Okay, so with that, I so there's a lot of assumptions in our education system that I think before we can figure out a new way forward, we really have to recognize the assumptions that we're carrying around as a society. The number one question I get is, well, how are they going to learn reading, writing, and arithmetic if they don't go to school? Well, our education system is really pretty new. It's only been around the way that we think of it, like 150 to 200 years. So how did they do that before? And mm -hmm. there's a lot of documented proof out there to show that, like, before education was compulsory in the United States, our literacy rate was actually much higher. Interesting. So before... Before compulsory education, we had a 98% literacy rate. Ever since compulsory education, we haven't went over 91% anywhere. Wow. So it's not working, but we assume, and I think as a society, we learn kind of that new normal so quickly that we assume that it's always been this way, even though we like logically know that that's not really the case. You know, it's, you know, we're not necessarily driven by just our logic. So mm -hmm. we feel like, well, it's always been around for me. So that means it's always been around. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's a tweet that's floated around, you know, for years, well, for a few years. And it says, if we started teaching walking in school to six month olds within a single generation, everyone would assume you have to go to school to learn how to walk. Whoa. And people laugh at it, but it's true. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, absolutely. That's fascinating paradigm show yeah absolutely so okay okay so we can we can extrapolate that out to uh you know further logical conclusions it's like okay so do we necessarily need these government institutions where they're like having to sit in rows and they are like like pavlovian responses to these bells like do we need that in order to teach reading writing all that stuff do we need that is there a better option so i think the first okay so to go back to the history yeah, of please. course yeah. okay so just because i think it's it's really interesting there's some interesting points that I think 
it's just good to kind of have the foundation of them, which is that in 1837, Horace Mann, who's considered the father of our modern education system, went over to Europe as the secretary of the Board of Education in Massachusetts, went over to Europe to go look at their education models. So that, in my opinion, should be the first red flag. Mm. Why are we going over to Europe to find a model for how to educate our kids? So he settled on the Prussian model. So that's like pre-Russia or pre-Poland Germany. Again, red flag, <laughs> you know, and the model that we're using is used all over the world. So that means that we're educating our kids in the same way that a communist country is okay educating their kids. And we're educating our kids in the same way a fascist country is okay educating their kids. If you look at like the bones of what we're doing. So this is a problem. And I think that as a country, we need to look, we need to stop and step back and think, well, how would a constitutional republic educate its kids? And how is that going to look different? Um, so he traveled there and he brought back the Prussian model. So what that brought back was it brought back segregating kids into different ages. So now all the five-year-olds are separated from all the 10-year-olds. It gave you classes. So this idea of reading, writing, and arithmetic and the difference, you know, you learn one subject, you stop learning that subject to go on to the next subject. That came as well. And then this idea of free public education for all, which you can have an argument that that was, you know, well-intended, but after the last couple of years, do we, do we really believe that anything they offer us for free is good? No, 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 absolutely not. You know, I mean, it seems like on paper, and that's a lot of, with a lot of this stuff, like on paper, it seems like maybe there was some like ambition to make like this awesome system, but you know, there's also arguments to be made. Like a lot of these movements and everything, you know, all the way from like, you know, the feminist movement, you know, to like, uh, just like, uh, Rockefeller, like, like all of it, all of it's kind of this like perfect storm of like, you know, separating the family, co-opting the kids into public schooling, you know, a lot of it, it's like all what's happening around, you know, it was like this perfect recipe for disaster that brought us about to where we're at. So do you see it as a nefarious thing? Like each one of these instruments that oh, they yeah. implemented, like they and, knew what they were doing. Right. And you can see it happening slowly. So in, so before 1823, there were no teachers. You didn't get trained to be a teacher. You were a teacher because you had the skill. Mm -hmm. So it was in 1823. That's kind of where I kind of see things, a place that it starts. So in 1823, this is when the first conversation started of, oh, we need to train teachers to be teachers. Mm -hmm. So then you fast forward from 1823 to 1837, when Horace Mann is elected the head, the secretary of the Board of Education. And then a couple of years later, he's sent to Europe to find the model. And then in 1852, I think they started having compulsory laws, you know, so it's like every few years they add another step. So there, the, the state of Massachusetts is where it started. They had the first compulsory laws and it wasn't until the eight, it was, it was like 19, I think 1913 that all states had compulsory laws, but there was a, a little town um, out on Cape Cod that resisted compulsory education so much. It wasn't, so they started in 1852. It wasn't until 1880 that they finally coerced them into sending their kids to compulsory education. And they were so opposed to it that they had to send the military in to march the kids to school. Wow. I mean, and that's how much they mean business too. Like they understand. And, right. And, 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 
And that's how much people fought it. People yeah. didn't want their kids to go into these institutions. Totally. And don't blame them. Don't blame them. And so, you know, you see it's a, it's a direct correlation between the states, for example, who value liberty and just are, it's more like in the ethos of the, of the state generally have less strict homeschooling laws. Like they're, they're less invasive in their approach to educating kids or having access to children, whereas more authoritarian, left-leaning blue states, whatever you want to call it, it seems that is the, the point at which they're really leveraging their power and control. So obviously it means something having access and the ability to, you know, give information to kids at a young age is very, very important to this group over here. Right. You know, what, what do you, what do you attribute that to a lot? Mostly. Well, I think that it's, you know, they've been whittling away at the same areas. Like the first compulsory education laws were in Massachusetts, like this Northeast area has been um, the target, I think, for a really long time. And so, you know, you start whittling away on those things. And I mean, people, you know, I think that like I grew up in Alaska and now I'm in New York. So there are people that kind of leave their home state, but there's a lot of people that just, you know, stay and they're, you know, stay around where they grew up. And so you're just continuing on that thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, again and again, like, I, I mean, I've thought many times <laughs> about leaving the state. Yeah. You know, when I look at, like, some of these freer states, and it's pretty consistent that, like, if you look at, you know, I have my list of things of homeschool laws and homesteading regulations and how are the sheriff's departments and all of these things, like, they all, you know, they're all either leaning really good or they're mm -hmm. all, you know, heading, heading pretty bad. So it's definitely a pretty consistent thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I just moved. So I was born and raised in Oregon. Right. And that, that's one of, that's one of the worst ones. Right. And so I actually just left. I just moved out of Oregon earlier this year and I'm currently in Tennessee and I just couldn't be happier. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I hear really good things yeah. about Tennessee. Oh dude. Tennessee is amazing. If you're ever looking for another, Another spot. If it gets too, if it just gets untenable up in New York, Tennessee. Would oh, be it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also have this like you can't chase me out thing. Yeah, I I was holding Although, on to that for so long myself. It was such a hard, you know, it was a, it was a tough decision to make. But like, man, ultimately, you know, yeah, it was tough. But yeah, but I like that. I like that spirit. Like, you know, you're not going to force me out. I'm going to stay here. And okay. honestly, you know, these are the places where they need people like you the most. They need you the most in places like New York. You know. I mean, we've lost, we've lost a lot of people and I totally get it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we're, we're due for another round of, you know, losing a lot of people because I'm sure the, uh, <clears throat> yeah, one we've got in charge here is. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. I'm feel, sure we're bad. in for an interesting few months. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Next few months, next few years are going to be make or break for all of this nonsense for yeah. sure. Um, so, so more back to the, the, history part of it. So I remember when I was a kid, you know, I didn't have any perception. Like, I guess what you were describing there is like, we just didn't know any, any other way. You know, I didn't, right. I mean, when I and actually, my mom was an educator. She worked as a counselor for the high school that I attended. So, you know, it was the expectation was that I attended class and I excel at every class. And so, you know, my, my experience was like, you know, I, I felt like I was, I was like, I got like a 3.98 GPA in high school and I was like honors classes. So that means that I'm like ready to go out in the world and conquer everything. But that was definitely not the case, you know, and now where I'm at today and now that I'm learning about all these like other topics and then learning about like actual history and taking these courses that are like, un like unschooling courses for adults, basically. Yeah. Like that's what yeah. autonomy is, is teaching you these life skills that 
did not get passed down to us in any sort of public school or anything like that. Like how to actually be successful and how to like run a business and all this stuff. You know what I mean? Like why? I mean, they, they intentionally don't teach us this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just so crazy. But so I, yeah, I didn't have any frame of reference for that when I was growing up. And so now I'm just starting to have some reconciliation around it, which is crazy. But then I hear it's even worse today. And so they have this like common core thing. Like, I don't think that was around when I was learning. So no, New so York was actually the first state to implement that. Interesting. So tell us a little bit about the history of common core. Cause you that's know what? Just... I don't know a whole okay. lot about the history of common core. I know that New York was the first state okay. to implement it. They dropped it on the teachers out of the blue mm-hmm. and it doesn't, and they had to like figure out how to do it. And it yeah. increased the homeschool population by 40%. So yeah. I'm kind of thrilled with it, actually. Okay, well, there you go. So that, there's that. That's awesome. So my understanding, like, if you want to get into, like, the, the conspiracy side of it, like, it's Bill Gates. Bill Gates is behind the whole thing. Bill yeah. Gates funded and started it. You know what I mean? So this is thanks to Bill Gates. And it's really just a matter of, you know, creating more unnecessary work than possible. Like, if I were to summarize it, like, it seems like it's just over and above what one person would need to do in order to solve a problem. Just, it's like busy work, basically. Well, busy work know- and... I think, and I mean, I could be off on this, but I have this idea about the math piece and I honestly don't know a whole lot about what they do, but what I keep hearing parents say is like, I don't understand how to do it. And there's this whole like path that they have to do and show what they've done. And it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I have this theory that it's just another way that they want to put a divide between generations. Sure. Because essentially what you're doing is you're sending a kid back who's, I don't know, in third, fourth, fifth grade and their parent doesn't know how to do it. And that's like, oh my gosh, my parents are stupid. They don't know how to do this thing. Mm-hmm. My teachers are smart. These these authorities are smart. Mm-hmm. And my parents aren't. Yeah. And I think that that's ultimately, you know, what they're doing. It's just they put these, you know, sneak those divides in everywhere they possibly can. Totally. They want, they want the, the state wants to be the parent. I mean, that's the ultimate goal in all this. Like if they were, they're, they're kind of just tiptoeing towards that, but they really, at the end of the day, what they want is to be the direct parent of the kids. They want to cut parents out of any decision-making about what their kids are being taught. I mean, we're seeing that these days too. You know what I mean? They're actually yeah. like calling these parents that are trying to have any say in what's being taught to their kids. They're calling them like terrorists. And the FBI is like coming down on these parents that are trying to have a say in what's being taught to their kids. You know? Right. Yeah. 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 And I think that um, it's, it's definitely very intentional and they move so slowly that it's just a layer every generation it's just this thin layer. It yeah. doesn't really seem like that big of a deal. It's when you step back and you look at over the last, you know, say 100 years or even if two or three generations. So something I think is really interesting is that so we started having compulsory education in 1852. So I thought, well, if we fast forward, where was our country at? Mm. So if you fast forward 60 years, I think I'm doing this right. Yeah. If you, if you fast forward around 60 years, so a generation is 20 years. So that's mm technically three generations, where was our country at? And we had the sinking of the Titanic, the start of the Federal Reserve. Yep. We got we got World War One. We got Ford had his first assembly line plant. So we need to so that's when we needed to start shifting people's thinking into wanting to leave the farms, wanting to leave the idea of being a scholar and want to go work in a factory all day long. Yeah. So now you've had three generations to pound them into submission. So that that even kind of sounds like a good idea to do. Yeah. So, you know, there was a lot and there was a lot going on in our world then. So that's when I think like, oh, my gosh, this is so well planned. Mm -hmm. It's like they are just 
plodding along. It's like the tortoise and the hare, just yep. plodding along, doing the next step. They'll, you know, people have an uprising, you know, and and that's where that's where one of the main things I think is that there is there is so much focus on the school boards, which I can kind of understand. But at the same time, no, like that system is working exactly how it was designed to work. Totally. totally. Like it is set up perfectly. Mm -hmm. It is working like a whale oiled machine and they don't care, you know, what you think. Um, Yeah. You know, they they don't care. They're, they just smile and give you your two minutes to yell at them and then do whatever they want to do. Exactly. Exactly. They just laugh and spit in your face. You know, we're seeing that all over the place. And this is such a great example of like what the solution to all of these problems actually is. Like we don't have to fight anybody. We don't have to go. We don't even have to go protest anybody. We don't even have to go to these meetings. We don't have to do any of it. We don't have to engage with them at all. Right. They want us right. to engage and fight with them on their terms. Right. They would love to have some other, some new January 6th type scenario, whether organic or or, you know, orchestrated, right. they would love to have us, you know, some sort of civil war thing. They would love for us because they're then we're fighting on their terms, you know, violence and aggression and anger. And, we, but it's like, actually the solution to all of this is just be like, no, I'm good. I'll see you later. I'm going to go over here and right. I'm going to do this, you know? And well, so yeah. that's the beautiful thing. So the uprising, literally the uprising in the education system is no, we're going to go over here and we're going to do this. We're going right. to, we're going to learn this unschooling approach. And, and, and there's so much power in having community, and having other families that are involved like that, that. I know that, and I want to get into your thoughts definitely eventually about, yeah, we kind of alluded to it, but like, you know, all these things that parents tell themselves that keep them from taking the first steps to go down this road. And I know that's something that you offer. So we'll get into all that for sure. But you know, that is the solution. That is the uprising. Yeah. The uprising is us taking charge of uh, stuff and taking it back from these people that only wish us harm and want to take our freedom. That's what right. it is. Yeah. What is that Bucky Fuller quote about yep. you don't fight the existing reality? Exactly. Like, I'm not going to go spend any time at the school board because mm-hmm. that's not where it's going to happen. Yep. Um, but I think that, again, the first step is kind of knowing the history and mm-hmm. then detoxing what we think we know about education. Ooh, there's detox. so yeah. many assumptions about what education is just on a fundamental level. So I think one of the first questions is, is that we can look at kids one of two ways. Either they are an empty computer that needs to be downloaded with all appropriate hardware and software to work correctly, which I think is our kind of our current paradigm. And then the, alter- the, uh, the, the, the other way is that we can think of them as a seed that contains within it everything that they need. And, and what a seed needs is it needs fertile soil, it needs sunlight, it needs you know nutrition, um, and time. And you don't have to tell a sunflower seed that it's a sunflower seed and it doesn't like change its mind and become a potato. <laughs> yep. That's so awesome. It's trusting that. So I think that there's a lot of, um, that we've lost a lot of trust in God created this beautiful human being and we don't trust any of the way, any of the little things in the ways that, it, that they develop. And it's from, you know, helping them do everything from the moment they're born, which I think that is kind of where the unlearning or the detoxing really needs to start, you know, um, from, 
from the very young ages where I think that a lot of times as adults, we want to like help them do things like walking, but that's where their effort strategies are being developed, you know, and it seems like a little thing, but if, if they're learning like, oh, I don't have to do this little thing, somebody is going to come and help me, you know, walk across the room, then we take that thinking about how the world works out into adulthood right? Mm -hmm. Like all these little, little things. So that's where those effort strategies and work ethic really, I think the foundation of it starts in those early months. Um, does that make sense? No, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. definitely. So we think like, so, and we, we need to remember that a kid learns a language and learns how to walk before we consider that they need to go to school. Like when was the last time I learned a language? Like, no. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've thought I really should. Sure. A couple times. And then like I just I haven't. It just seems like this monumental task. And they they do it. And nobody has to remind a toddler to learn how to walk. No. Like if you've been around a toddler, sometimes you really just want them to stop <laughs> practicing a little bit. Yeah. Like, can we please just, you know, totally. hang around here? Yeah, that's fine. So, and so then we decide that, oh, between five and 17, we're going to do it absolutely opposite to how we do it as adults and how they did. They've just been doing it for five years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Something's fishy about this whole thing. I'm telling you, <laughs> this whole thing doesn't add up. Okay. So <laughs> well, we this, need to stop and ask the question because yeah. if we don't, we just, we just live that assumption. Yeah. And that's where I feel like the conversation needs to start. And it's not just with parents, it's with the general it's with the, it's with the public too. Mm -hmm. Totally. You know, because it, you've got, you know, and now it's really shifted a lot where, you know, you go into the store and my son's six or uh, he's, he just turned seven. Nice. So, you know, before the lockdowns, it was like, everybody looked at you like you were crazy when they said, oh, are you starting school? And he'd be like, oh, I'm homeschooled. Oh, you're one of those where now it's really shifted. People don't assume now, even here in New York, that you go to public school um, they're more asking, like genuinely asking and knowing that there's alternatives. So that's, I think, one of the best things that we got out of all of this is kind of people going like, oh, maybe this isn't the only model that exists. Exactly. Across the board, across the board, this has just been such a mass awakening on so many levels, you know, that that definitely there's there's got to be a better way, you know. Right. Um, so what would you say? So I, I love the idea that you're talking about detoxing, detoxing off of this um old system and just the indoctrination that we as adults kind of like didn't know. I didn't really know any other way. And some of my presuppositions about homeschooling up until probably this were kind of along those same lines too. Like, I just didn't know, you know what I mean? Like, right. Oh, homeschool. Like, I guess, why would I do that? Like, you know, there's a free school down the road. Why would I ever, you know? Right. So, you know, I didn't, you know, COVID helped me get to a lot of these places too, you know? Um, but what, so uh, somebody who's wanting to kind of learn more about this and quote unquote detox from uh, this public school paradigm, like what would be some resources that you would recommend? So honestly, I think that as adults, we do it all the time. Mm -hmm. When you're interested in something, like what do you do? So some people will go find a blog post. I really like video. Yeah. So I go in and I start watching videos and I listen to people talk. I'll find podcasts. Like we go, we have this idea of something, ooh, something interests me. I'm curious about that thing. And then I go follow it and do it. That's exactly totally. what 
unschooling is. I mean, it's the same thing with little kids. Ooh, I see people walking around. I want to be able to do that. How do I do that? Oh, this is the body that I have to figure that out. How can I figure this out? And that's all it is. Totally. Or what are, what are resources for around this specific topic? Like, let's say there's a, somebody listening and maybe they're, they're kid, they have a, a toddler that's maybe getting reaching school age and they're trying to figure out ways to talk to their wife or husband about, you know, Hey, maybe we shouldn't, or maybe they're, you know, trying to bridge that gap and trying to convince their other partner to like, Hey, maybe we need to homeschool. Like what are some resources that you would suggest? Well, okay. So I talk about John Taylor Gatto yeah. all the time. Awesome. Uh, his book, Dumbing Us Down is and he has a lot of books but that was kind of his first so for people if they don't know who he is he was awarded the number one teacher in new york state in 91 90 91 um and he promptly quit his job and he said i'm really good at doing what we do here and you don't want this happening to your kids so after 30 years of being a teacher he totally shifted into being a very outspoken advocate against public education so he's not the person who coined the term unschooling. That's John Holt. Um, but he spoke out a lot about it. So this book, Dumbing Us Down, really lays out how it's happening in the public schools. So again, a lot of times people get really focused on what the curriculum is, like the book that's in the library that they don't like, which again, these books that we see coming out are awful, but that's not the problem that I think is really biting us right now. The problem is, is there's all these hidden lessons that are baked into the system. And there are good teachers, well-intended teachers in the system. I think less and less now because they're, they're getting out, you know, mm -hmm. but the problems are baked into the system. It's how it's set up. So he lays out the seven lesson school teacher, which I think every adult needs to like really listen to these seven lessons. Um, so, um, I'm going to try and remember them. I do have a slide for them, but let's see if I can, Let I can remember them. So the first, the first one is, um, well, I'm going to jump around here, but class position is one of them. So he's basically, he, so he goes into a lot more detail in the book, but if you take class position, he's saying, you know, somebody decides what classes you're in, if you're gifted or if you need to be held back, that's not the teacher determining it. That's this administrative kind of monster that determines it. Right. So then you're teaching kids that there are kids that are better than them. And there's kids that are, you know, there's kids that are dumb. There's kids that are smart. They get special things. So then if we look at kind of overlaying these seven lessons onto the last couple of years, I like the example of Nancy Pelosi getting her haircut. Oh yeah, exactly. Without the mask on, right? Yeah. So people get upset about that, but they've just been trained for 13 years in school that there's different classes of people. There's some people that get privileges. We're not all equal, right? So yeah. we're also in a country that we weren't supposed to have that class system like Europe but they baked it right into the public school system. You've got, you've got all of those. Oh, here we go. Yeah. So class position. Yeah. Confusion. So confusion is a really great one. So this is where, so people get really focused on reading, writing, and arithmetic. But what good is reading if you're not develop, if they're, if they're not developing a love of reading? So you can be a great technical reader. What does that matter if you're never picking up a book to read it, right? Yep. So 
we separate everything out and we're not teaching how things work together. We're teaching how thing, unrelated things are, right? Mm -hmm. So we're, we're not teaching how history relates to math. We're not teaching how, um, you know, reading relates to writing. We're, we're separating all of these things out. And we're saying, go be interested in this one subject for 50, 50 minutes, 55 minutes, and then you're going to stop being interested in that and you're going to jump over to this other thing and now you have to be interested in this. And now stop being interested in this and go over here. And it's nothing, like how interested would any adult be if somebody said you have to go learn this thing that you had zero interest in learning? Which is what it is. That's what it's all about. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we're baking in for 13 years. Like these kids are in school for like 12,000 hours by the yeah. time they graduate. Right. Yep. So I think a lot of people have heard this quote. It's it's said by a couple people, but I source it back to um, Malcolm Gladwell. OK. And he said that uh, to become proficient at something, it takes about 10,000 hours. Yep. So our kids are spending about 12,000 hours in public school. And then we're wondering why when they're 20, they're totally brainwashed by the system. We just sent them in and they're very proficient at what the school wants them to be. Exactly. Become. Which is almost like what you described there. Like almost like you get like the biggest skill you have is learning how to force yourself to do things you don't want to do. <laughs> That's right. like the biggest skill you learn. Oh my God. And so, and it's also somebody articulated this really well. And, and I, I, I listened to her video. I can't remember her name now, but she was saying, you know, it's, it's not even, it's not necessarily the things that they are teaching them. It's the things that they're not teaching them. It's the yeah. thing that they've taken. It's the things that they've taken out. So you don't notice that they've been slowly taken out. Absolutely. Um, you know, and so then, but then they're getting these lessons for thousands and thousands of hours. So you've got, um, there, another one is there's no privacy. I think it's the very bottom Let's one. See. Well, into, yeah, the one the, can't hide. One can't hide. Mm -hmm. So then we wonder why we have a society that's not like totally shocked about having a digital identity. Yep. Because, well, they've never had privacy. You had to like ask permission to go to the bathroom. Right. Yeah. You never, you, you've never had privacy. I read an article. It was in New York times. And this is a few years ago. And this mom was like, I can't really remember much of the article other than the mom was like really proud that her 14 year old son, like never was alone. <laughs> and I wow. was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, yeah. this is a problem. Um, provisional self-esteem is an incredibly important one. And then go up a little bit. So the intellectual dependency and the emotional dependency. So the intellectual dependency, we've taken all of the elders out of our communities. We've poo-pooed the wisdom of people older than us. We've turned them into these stupid idiots that don't know anything, right? They can't even do basic math. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we've, so we've taken that wisdom out and we've, they've put in place of that professionals. So parents go to their pediatrician for everything, like everything. And I, I've heard so many parents over the years, like, you know, talk, I can't think of anything right now, but like, it's the most random stuff, like not stuff that I would think you'd go to a pediatrician about, but mm. like, that's their new grandma, right? Like yeah. the thing that you would like take to grandma. And I like the example of chicken pox. 
all of us got chicken pox, right? Mm -hmm. No big deal. And now everybody, not everybody, but a huge percentage of society is terrified of at our age of letting their kids get chicken pox, right? And we sure. don't have grandma around to say like, you know, oh my gosh, how do I deal with this? So you take it to your pediatrician and they're going to slip you right into the, mm-hmm. I mean, you've probably already been, you know, totally. slipped right. They probably already have the virus. It's not even a question at this point. So nobody's getting chicken pox anymore. And now it's like, oh my gosh, it's like a death sentence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, man, they, uh, they want to like criminalize parents that, you know. Yes. Yes. Let their kids get the chicken pox. So yeah. again, it's, it's happened so slowly, but this, this thing, this thing with professionals, like, and again, I'm not like there are people with wisdom out there, but I don't care what, like what credentials you have, like, you know, if I want to find, um, you know, if I want to find a doctor, I, I, I care, I care about, I don't, I care about everything other than what your like technical credentials are. Exactly. Exactly. Like that's probably the, the thing that's going to deter me the most, honestly, right. <laughs> at this point, at this point, it's like, Oh, <laughs> you have a, yeah. Okay. I'm good on that. Yeah, exactly. I just saw, a meme the other day and it was these two older women like walking through the woods and she was like what does your son do and she goes oh he's a doctor and she goes oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry oh man that's horrible thanks like gee thanks you know which know. is sad because there's yeah. really great doctors like, exactly out there. i was just gonna really say educators like, like there's amazing people out there but the whole industry has been so corrupted that exactly exactly well you know it's just a, again you know these it's all just being revealed to us now, you know, yeah. it's so crazy. It's like this crazy, just this, you know, duplicitous situation where it's like at the same time, all the horrors that have been underneath the surface are right out in the open. But now at the same time, all this beautiful, awesome, like parallel systems are rising up at the same time. So it's just so cool. So I think that, so there's a lot of, it's, it's kind of, again, detoxing the mm-hmm. old system and getting just kind of being able to set that aside. Mm-hmm. And then, what takes its place is it just naturally evolves. Yeah. It's not necessarily something that you have to like, um, in you intentionally create the space for it, but it naturally is there. Like kids are, you know, it's easier when the kids are little Mm -hmm. because they're naturally just really interested in stuff. It's harder definitely for the kids that have, or the families that have kids that are junior high, high school, you know, you ask a six-year-old what they're interested in learning about, and they have a list. Yeah. But what I see with my friends or parents that have teenagers is you get a lot of, you know, I don't care about anything. Sure. 33% of teenage, like 13 to 15-year-old girls, like their highest aspiration is becoming a TikTok star at this point. I mean, of course, of course. <laughs> I mean, I, I would, I'm surprised it's that low. Like I'm surprised it's not, like every single one, like God, you know, there's, I don't know, man, it's crazy. And this idea of like uh, being an influencer, but it's like, but what are you like? What, what, what are you influencing? Exactly. It's like, you know, Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, Hey, I, I'm one to talk. I have, I, yeah, exactly. It's like, I have a podcast. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not like, you know, I'm one to talk when it comes to that, but I'm trying to do good with it. I'm trying to put good stuff out there, you know? Well, but it's so. about the, the the thing comes after, like the influence comes after the yeah. thing that you're passionate about. Totally. And so that's the thing that, that we need to foster. And it's not that we need to create it. 
It's just let allowing it because we all have interests, mm-hmm. but as we get older and I think every year in the system that gets stamped down a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. So it can be harder to find. Yeah. Um, I do think that with the, with adults, there definitely seems to be the people that have retained it is there is a spiritual connection that has helped kind of maintain that connection where it's like, oh, I never really fit in the system. I always kind of knew something was off. I, you know, I went through the motions because I knew like I had to kind of deal with it, but I always knew that it wasn't quite, you know, it wasn't really for me and I was going to do something, you know, different with it. So then being able to find that like interest from the inside, which is why the curriculum, so why the curriculum in kind of the general sense of textbooks is um, really not important there. Now it's about exposing kids. Okay. So I'm going to talk about like kind of assuming younger kids coming into this situation. And so essentially what we're doing is exposing them to lots of different things in our communities and different types of people and see what they're drawn to. Mm. And then we foster more of those experiences. So I think a lot, so unschooling has kind of got a bad rap because it's kind of been turned into this. There's this radical unschooling movement, mm. which is basically let your kids do whatever they want, whenever they want. Um, you know, if they want M&Ms for breakfast, it's body autonomy instead of like, no, that's just irresponsible. No, no come on now. Yeah, come on. Now. But that's what's that's unschooling kind of. And I've been kind of playing around with not using that term. Okay. More because people like have heard it and there's this idea that it really is just, well, why don't you just let your kids be raised by wolves? Okay. You're not, it's like, it's like absentee parenting. What about, what about like true schooling? True school. Well, unschooling. No, I think so. The concept I think is like self-led interest-led. It's about finding that thing that brings you alive and going and doing it. And so it's finding those things that kind of sparks an interest in them mm-hmm. and exactly. going and following and finding people in your community. So my son does jujitsu. Nice. I don't do jujitsu. I really don't care about doing jujitsu, but he loves it. And I found an amazing gym here in our area. And he's been for two years and he loves it. And he gets exposed. Like the crowd of people that does jujitsu is a really great crowd, I find. Um you know, it's a lot of retired military, police. So it's a great atmosphere for him to be in. Um, so there is a lot of direction. Like when he's in a jujitsu class, he's listening to the instructor. It's not just that he gets to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants to do it, but it's about, oh, you like doing that? Okay, great. And we've been going four to five times a week to go do that. You know, awesome. and if he, yeah. if he showed an interest in, you know, music, he's really, he's trying to think that he's really interested in robotics. So that's another thing I really have no experience at all with, but who in the community has, what are the resources and who in the community has, you know, interest? Are there other kids um, that you can kind of partner up with Mm -hmm. to go facilitate that? So it really is, I think, in some ways a lot more work because you're not just going through a textbook and moving on to the next chapter, you know, and then yeah. focusing on if, if it was successful is whether they, you know, got a good number on a test. It really is finding 
lots of different situations. You know, if you have a child that wants to be an architect, you know, at three years old, how, what are the things that they can do now that facilitate learning the skills that they, you know, could continue on with and not being so focused with this idea of reading, writing and arithmetic. Mm -hmm. So John, one of the things John Taylor Gatto says is um, he talks a lot about how the basics of those things. And I think this is absolutely true can be taught in less than a hundred hours. So our kids are in yeah. school for 13,000 hours and they, they don't even have the basics of reading, writing and arithmetic. Yeah. I was just going to say in Oregon. Okay. So Oregon, right before I left, they actually literally passed a law that said you don't have to have any, like you don't even have to read in order to get a high school diploma. You don't even have to know how to read. They're literally dumbing it down to the point. And that's like, and how like the, the inversion of it is so mind blowing. Like that's the inclusive, like, uh, you know, progressive mentality where it's like, that's the most loving thing we could do to these students is make it okay that you don't know how to read. Like, that's fine. It's racist. If you know how to read or whatever the hell their argument is, I can't even remember. I mean, I know what their argument is, but it's so <laughs> ludicrous. It's just insane. It's like, you literally don't have to know how to read to graduate high school. Cause that's racist. So, well, so this is the thing I think it's, <laughs> it's really fascinating. And I think I'm understanding a little bit more. But I think, so that's where I think that kind of the unschooling movement got really co-opted by the far left. And it really mm -hmm. is like that mindset. Uh -huh. Kids want to learn how to read. Totally. They want to. So it's about finding things that interest them. And it's a little bit older. Like the public schools are pushing it younger and younger, which is kind of a, a different conversation because it's like, well, you know, why are they doing that? There's no studies that show that if you learn at five years old, you're any more... Um, you don't have any more of a love of reading or you're not any better of a reader than if you learn at seven or eight. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of research to show that, um, that actually learning to read a little bit later is more beneficial. Rudolf Steiner, there was, a, I don't know if you're familiar with that, the Waldorf yeah. schools, they talk, they don't really even bring up reading um, until six or even seven. So families, you know, families there, but then you're in a society where, you know, if they're seven or eight and they're not, you know, they're not reading and everybody has this idea that you're supposed to learn at five or four, you know, yeah. that then there's all of these, these competitions that start happening, mm -hmm. which I think is, that's one of the, the big societal things is that we start competing. Like the moment they're born, there's a benefit of this. I understand that we like, we want to make sure that kids are developing in a healthy way. But there's this, it's, that's not really what's happening. There's this competition of, you know, we weigh them and we measure them and then we keep weighing and measuring them. And then we put them in a percentile. It's not a percentile, you know, of weight and height based on something that's healthy. It's just based on the average of all the other kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's that? Like, who cares if you're in the 90th percentile or the 20th percentile? Is the child healthy? But we're not talking about whether the child's healthy. We're talking about you know, which percentile it is yep. it's in. And then that continues with, you know, who learned how to talk first, who walked first, who crawled first, who went to the bathroom by themselves the first time. Like that doesn't matter when you're 30 years old. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody and cares. who cares? Like, and, and there's this competition of, you know, of, of, of walking and there's so many of these things. It's like, it does not matter. Why are we focusing on them so much? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really sad because then these kids are getting a, you know, oh, I didn't learn how to, you know, walk until I was 15 months old. 
that must mean that I'm stupid. No, it does not at all mean that. And then we want them to have self-esteem and, and feel like powerful in the world when they're adults. Amen. That's what it's all about. And I, I would say that this system is designed to disempower and uh, remove as much to be as, uh, you know, blind to the fact that you're going to grow up and have your, all of your freedoms taken away. Like, like just, just <laughs> being ignorant to the fact that your freedoms aren't what you, you know, you don't have any freedoms, right? Like being okay right. with not being free. That's what it's all about. It's teaching you how to be okay with not being free. That's really right. what it comes down to, man. Well, let's talk about let's talk about the learning web. So, how what what did what did the learn how did the learning web come to be, and what are you, what is this all about? Give us a little break. Okay, so uh, let's not go to the website. I'm still okay. working. On it. Okay. I'm working on it. Okay. Um. So it's it's shifted a lot. It's okay. I kind of see this as a good um, as a good example of unschooling as an adult. So I started with this idea of. Well, one of the, you know, one of the, so I started doing this pop-up playground for kids. Okay, cool. Um, I started doing this pop-up. Actually, you know what? Go back. Sure. Sorry, go back to the website. Not at all. You want me to go to the pop-up playground section? Yes, please. Okay, got it. So I started doing this pop-up before the lockdown. So I started this in 2016. And I would just bring a whole bunch of junk. Go down to the pictures of the photo gallery here. Okay, okay. There you I would go. just bring a bunch of junk to the local park in downtown Albany. It started with like 20 people what? in downtown Albany. And then by the end of the second summer, there were about 250 people. And it was, the idea was, is to show what kind of learning is happening in play. So it's giving an opportunity. So kids have access these days to these playgrounds that have been designed for them. And they're getting yelled at if they climb, if they twist the swing up or they try to run up the slide. It's like everything has been, you know, completely controlled. So I wanted to create a space where they could just explore. This is amazing. And so, I mean, <laughs> so I had, yes, I had guidelines for the parents. Leave your kids alone. <laughs> Whoa. And it's okay for them to get hurt. Yeah, let's read this out. So for all the people that maybe that are going to be listening to this later. So what are, what are these guidelines for parents? Okay, so, so it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like the rules, the rules for the playground are for the parents. <laughs> so yes, playground guidelines for parents. Okay. So the first one is let children play free, freely without direction. As adults, we think that we know better. And that is just not true. We have an idea about how, what we think, and that's valid for ourselves, but there's a lot. So what I would bring here is I would bring cardboard boxes and duct tape and tires and all of this stuff that doesn't have a singular purpose. So everyone who looks at it has a different idea about what it can become, right? A tire could be a swing, a tire can be a, a tire on a motorcycle, a cardboard box can be a spaceship, it can be, you know, a kitchen. So let them pray, play freely without direction. Let them just explore. And this is, so I was in this, you know, Albany. So not mm -hmm. a huge city, but a, a bit of a city. And so these kids, you know, kids out in the country definitely have more exposure to this, but the urban kids just don't have this. Everything is controlled. Give them space for creativity to happen. Like these ideas need to come from inside of them. I cannot stand craft time where it's like the craft has been predetermined. You have all the parts. They're probably already cut out. Mm -hmm. You have the like checklist of this is what you need the kids to do. You, you know, 
I don't know, glue the fingers on, make the turkey tail and mm-hmm. color it this way. Um, and in my opinion, that stuff is just, it's all of it's just garbage. There's, it's like the, is this is the approved narrative. This is what you're allowed to right. think. This is what you're allowed to do. Right. Do not deviate from that at any cost. Right. And everybody has their little hand turkey. I don't know why I'm picking on the hand yeah. turkeys. <laughs> but we all have like the little hand turkeys. At the oh end. yes. I remember the hand turkeys. <laughs> um, so we need to give them space and creativity and imagination takes time. But the, okay. So if we look at the world today, what we need is we need a generations of adults that are problem solvers. We have a few problems that we need some solutions for. And right now we're all trained the government creates those solutions. And if we don't want the government to, we're going to have to step up to the plate to do them. But if kids have been told what to do, we're killing that creativity. So this is a space to let that creativity happen. So it's three hours on a Sunday afternoon just to play and get dirty and then allow them the opportunity to get dirty, which again, kids in the country get a lot more exposure to this. But in general, we are sanitizing everything around kids all the time. And we are terrified about dirt and every kid needs to lick a few shoes. Totally. Totally. This is awesome. So here's a good call to action for everybody. Okay. So if you're listening, you guys go to the episode description, you'll see links to the link tree. Here, you'll see uh, Moira's uh, link tree website, who I am, why I do this. Uh, for other interviews, shout out to Red Pill 78 um, her Telegram, and Substack. So that's awesome that you're uh, just utilizing all these different means and methods to get your message out. Um, so the call to action would be you guys go to the website, right? So you click on website, and then you go to the pop-up playground section. And then at the bottom, just sign up, and she'll send you a free step-by-step guide on how to do this in your community. Like This is the coolest thing. Like, I'm going to have to be like, you guys, let's look into this. Cause I'm involved in a couple of communities here, yeah. uh, like the Bertaria community, Freedom Cells. Like, why don't I do like a freaking, like, that'd be so cool for maybe some of the kids to organize something like this. It's but that's, so, that's really, really cool. And it's a great way for, it's a great way for communities to come together. The yeah. kids can play, the parents can chat. Um, it was it was amazing. I would encourage people to come and you just bring a blanket and food and the parents would sit around the outside, you know, chatting and the kids would, you know, be creating and doing whatever they were doing inside. I mean, it was super popular. That's so cool. I can imagine. I can imagine like, oh, my gosh, like the kids probably just love it. <laughs> so then consulting. Tell them tell us about what kind of uh, consulting. Oh, yeah. Have. So this is so this 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 website up there, that video that you just passed, yeah. I'm. I'm it's on my list of to-dos to actually create a video that's just holding the space right now. Okay. Um, so really, I want to help families kind of help wherever they need help in this process. A lot of people are trying to decide what to do. I think that there's a lot of times where it's one person in a family and they are not feeling supported And they need, they just need some support to say, there are alternatives out here. And um, like, what are your questions? You know, and what's the process? I mean, my hope for every Patriot family is that they pull their kids out. You're not going to know what to expect. And it's going to be a bit crazy, but you'll figure it out. And also, I think the number one thing, well, I probably would say that about a few things, but one of the number yeah. one things that people struggle with is this idea. We've all been brainwashed that our kids are going to, are going to fall behind. We need to stop that. Mm-mm. Like 
That is brainwashing at its finest. They're not going to fall behind. We need to get the pressure off of them. Kids don't in general really have a childhood anymore. Mm -hmm. They're so focused on what's on the test, you know, trying to get good grades to get that 4.0. What adult do we know that's equally as good at math as at history? Like, it's not realistic. This whole idea of a 4.0 GPA is just, it's yeah. not realistic. Yeah. Um, and so taking time to get to know their kids and get to know other people in their community that have the same values and the same principles. Um, and how can that work together? I mean, there's lots of people out there that have resources. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there needs to be a lot of trust in the free market. Um, or just that the concept that there are people out there, there's problems and there will be solutions that you'll find, but you're not going to know the whole path before you take the first step, but you have to open the door and take the first step. Exactly. Before you can get to the next step and the next step. And I see that there seems to be like a th kind of this three year um, thing for people where it like, it takes, a, it takes a bit to get in the groove and to figure out what you're doing and you're not going to recreate the public school in your home. And it's going to be different and you're going to have no idea. And there's going to be things where you feel it was successful and things where you failed, but there's learning in everything. And it's, it's really going to be, you know, it's going to be okay. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. You guys. So I really want to encourage you. If you want to learn more, please reach out to Moira. She's got a wealth of knowledge and is doing some really, really cool stuff here. You guys. So we'll shoot more. Any final thoughts? Anyone, anything you want to leave us with? I, I mean, just, that I guess was, I mean, you, you, what I just said, you did great. That, that was like, the great. that was a mic drop right there. So that was a perfect place there. So you guys, okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much Mario, for coming on today. This is a great conversation. Um, you guys, so make sure, uh, look in the episode description, you'll see links to everything. Uh, and you'll, you'll find ways to listen and support her. Um, and, the Oh, hold on. We got, we got some super chats here. So Wolfgang in the chat has just been laying truth bombs. So you guys go, go through the live chat talking about the trivium quadrivium, Steiner, Matias Desmond, all kinds of cool stuff. You know what I'm saying? And then, uh, I, okay, we just got a tip in there that says, though I stand by it all, I kind of dismissed your previous solution guest. I'm behind the live on this one, but I like what I hear so far. Awesome. By the way, don't jump into it and don't try to recreate school. Find out how your kid learns and what they're interested in. Sorry, I've already said it'll come to you. There you go. So there, perfect. Awesome. Well, shoot, Mara, thank you so much for joining me today. You guys, go support her. Go support her work. And if you have questions, that's a good thing. It's not a scary thing. It's a good thing. So reach out yeah. and let's just kind of learn together. You know, this we're building this new system. We're building all this awesome stuff. This is the best opportunity we've ever had in the history of humanity, and we're all here on the front lines dealing with it. So, And our kids are watching how we handle exactly. it. Oh, and our kids are watching how we handle it. That's awesome. So yes, you guys. All right. We'll keep, keep up the great work out there. All you guys make sure you go to rebunk.news for all the links for this show and then look underneath for all the links for more and all, all of her work. So, all right. Until next time, we will see you later. Take care. Peace.